BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! hear the sirens we are back for another episode of the outsider's edge it's your boy rents aka ray cash i got my golden lovers brethren with me mr kyle morris what's up big dog oh man you know it's that end of the school year feeling so like y'all if you know a teacher hug a teacher it, you know reach out to your child's teachers everybody's just kind of struggling to the finish line y'all and we hey, need real- your love Real quick, plug that Patreon you you sent us earlier today. Um, oh, well, I was just plugging. So one of the resources that I really like to use with my students, and they make this for a variety of subjects, there's a YouTube series. They're called Crash Course, and they have them from everything from world history, U.S. history, government, econ, chemistry, philosophy, geography, movies, like you name it, they make a topic for it. The videos are digestible for a teacher, and by that I mean they're always 15 minutes or less. And they call them crash course because they literally cram as much content as they can to that 15 minutes. Um, They've launched a Patreon account, and the lowest tier starts at $3 a month. Um, If you know an educator or love an educator and can afford to spare $3 a month, um, reach out and support the Crash Course Patreon, y'all. we really, really appreciate the resource that they provide to us, and I love that they provide it to us on YouTube for free. So yeah. um, help them help us teach your kids. Look, man, as a parent of kids, and I'm one year away. We're, I'm one year away from having a kid in high school. I and I've always appreciated teachers because they are. There is no truer profession that is the backbone of our society than teachers. Because they're the one profession every one of us has to actually deal with. 
So um, support our teachers, help our teachers, promote our teachers, big up our teachers, and show some love. And while we're showing some love, that Patreon helps that company build more of their movies and or um, programs, crash courses, videos. Go to ProResentees.com slash chair shot and uh, help your boys out here. Go get some shirts and uh, help us do all these cool things we got planned for you. You know, we got three, four, five different uh, podcasts a day. We got all the different articles we hitting you with. We're trying to move into video. We, we got, got these... mini series, like the Total Package series coming at oh, y'all every Wednesday. I've heard of that. Oh, interesting. Um, we got all this stuff for you, and we are trying to grow and diversify our portfolio. So, go to ProResTees.com slash chair shop, buy some shit, buy some shirts, all, all the coolest shirts in the world, all different types of sizes and colors and logos and models. We got everything. I think you could even get some hoodies. I got a, a tank top. Go out there, do it. Support your boys. Give back. I promise you we're going to give it back tenfold in all of the content we give you. Trying to get all this good shit out because we got to start with on a somber note and then we're going to move to some bullshit. But I want to come with some good shit and some happiness starting the show. Because it's actually been a good week. But we have to start. with. I want to start, if you don't mind, on a somber note. I don't want to touch on this too long because I don't like to. I want to respect our history in, in, in this sport, in this business we call wrestling. And I want to give respect and reverence to those who have sacrificed their time, their energy, their lives for this business. But I also don't want to harp too much on negativity and hurt and pain. I know there are two families right now that are hurting. So I want to give a very hearty, a very respectful, a very loving rest in peace and rest in power to one Mr. New Jack, Jerome Young, and a former NWA and WWF performer, Don Kernoodle. Don't know much about Mr. Kernoodle. I can run down his history for y'all if y'all want, but Google. We all know who New Jack is. We all know New Jack is a very flawed individual. But I That's guarantee you, never be another you, one. There will never be another. And if you are a wrestling fan that watched any wrestling in the '90s, I guarantee you, you can't name very many people, more people, before you name him. So he's one of the most influential people to do it. Like anybody who knows anything about tag team wrestling in that era can tell you who the gangsters are. Oh boy! Um, yes. And and like at a time. At a time when wrestling didn't have many black faces, yeah, New Jack wasn't just a black face. He was an unapologetically black face. Great point. Great uh, point. And used that to, you know, use that to get himself heel heat when he was in Memphis. Like, mm -hmm. he, he used that racism in Smoky Mountain. Um, but, like... He was positive. Well, I shouldn't say positive representation because there's a whole lot about the gangsters and not a lot of it was positive. Uh, not but at all. Representation at a time when there wasn't a lot of representation in mainstream wrestling. But is, uh, uh, you, the best thing you said, and you said it spot on, he was unapologetically him and there will never be another. Can't say that for a lot of people. There's a lot of people who are some form of a copy of other people. Or they watch this person and they're influenced by this person. This dude was a legit bounty hunter who had like four or five justifiable kills on his record. Came into this business, loved the business, gave his all to the business. And yeah, 
he got a lot of spots on his record, dog. Mass Transit, uh, all the stuff with uh, Vic Grimes. There's a lot. There's some bullshit there. But he he gave just as much, if not as, as much as anybody that's ever come to this business, to and the you, business and to the fans. And you always knew what you were getting, New Jack. You always. That's facts. That's facts. That's facts. That's one of the most transparent motherfuckers to walk through this business. So both of these men have gone too young. Um, rest in peace and rest in power to them. I hope their legacies are forever strong and forever honored um, as we move forward. And, you know, uh, I saw a lot of CCW guys and IWA Mid-South guys shouting out him, the deathmatch scenes. We're going to see people, a guy who's kind of carried the mantle for what New Jack kind of really made famous and his form of violence. And Nick Gage, who, by the way, had a really good dark side of the ring. Gage going to fight John Moxley coming up soon. That's a huge match for the Indies. So their legacies, I think, are will, will not be forgotten. They're going to continue. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, their legacies will not be forgotten. But there's a couple Uh-oh. of legacies that I'm ready to forget. Quick, fast, journalism. in a hurry. There's I'll the be. journalism. Don't let the door hit you in the way out. Um... Patrick Clark, Drake Worse, get the fuck out my life. <sighs> Boy, long time coming, huh? I mean, whew, which one do you want to start with? You, like, you want to start with the cult follower, or do you want to start with the sexual predator? I want, to talk, I want to talk about the sexual predator, because we've talked about Drake Worse a lot on this show. Me and Mags went in on him pretty heavy from a news perspective um, on Cheshire Radio yesterday. And we can still touch on him for sure. Yeah, but, yeah. But the Velveteen Dream situation is one of the, you know how you watch those old, uh, those those shows about somebody that made a mistake, and they're like, uh, where did it all go wrong? And like this dude was literally unanimously unanimously touted as the next WrestleMania main eventer. John Cena said he wanted to work with this dude. And just so Drake Drake Rewards fell into a delusion based on uh, beliefs of his that led him astray. That happens. What the fuck happened to Patrick? Like, I mean, I, I what you like touching on little boys and little girls, you know, you cause all these different types of scenes at the PC. You're hard as fuck to work with. And it's like, yeah, you were over. Yeah, you were super talented, but you you shouldn't do that even if you earned it. Like I don't No, you should like that's not how you that's not how you treat people. That's not how you do business. Um and I mean it goes beyond just the like pretty credible accusations from multiple people of pedophile behavior. Um, there's, and that's enough. Like I, I let, before I go into, it goes beyond that. Let's just say this definitively for those of us here at the outsider's edge, that's enough. Like yep. multiple credible, credible accusations of sexual misconduct, uh, especially pedophilia, that's enough. Bye. 
Uh, don't let the door hit you in the ass. See but you like, later. It goes beyond that to other things. Um, so Rob Schamberger, who produces a lot of merchandise for WWE, he does a lot of the custom tees and mm-hmm. custom-made um, merch for w, uh, WWE Shop. He tweeted shortly after the announcement of the release, without saying anything further, he was the single most unprofessional person I've encountered in this business. I hope this is the wake-up call he needs to start doing the emotional work to become a better person, all told. So, like, yep. this is a man who was a disgusting predator and also a toxic as fuck person and i think it goes you know you're right in the sense of where did it all go wrong but also i believe in that old adage when people show you who they are believe believe the motherfuckers and patrick showed us who he was when he was 19 on tough enough like Say what you want about Terry, because, you know, Terry's a racist piece of shit. And, like, fuck Terry. But, like, Patrick showed his whole ass during Tough Enough back in the day. And we dismissed it at the time with, it's fucking 19. Yep. Like, 19-year-old's going to grow up. He'll figure it out, blah, blah, blah. No, Patrick didn't grow up. Patrick stayed a toxic piece of shit. And, um, bye, bitch. And as far as Drake goes, all you got to say about Drake is on company time, on company clothes, on company property, you phoned in to a county commissioner's meeting and espoused conspiracy theories. Crying shit. But I mean, so if we, if we kind of shift... To Drake, I got one more one more dream question when we're done. Oh, yeah. I'm not even gonna call him by name. I got one more Patrick question because I'm not gonna disrespect the name Dream because I love Dusty Rose. I'm not gonna disrespect that. Um, but also when you hear the stories behind the Drake situation, um, you know there's a story that after the George Floyd situation happened and they had a meeting at NXT where Triple H talked about Black Lives Matter. Oh yeah. And said all races, all creeds. All people are are accepted all here, and Drake is fine. Once once Triple H said all religions, Drake got his shit, like that LeBron James meme, and walked the fuck out. Like, bruh. Imagine how mentally broken, yeah, you are. Like, not perverted. How mentally broken you yeah. are that even the mention of all religions are welcome here. Set you off. Makes you so enraged that you have to storm out of your place of work in front of your boss. And in the same breath, you're trying to get him to promote you in different positions. And while you're doing that, you're throwing people under the bus. You're being fake and backstabby. Oh, and that also mentioned the fact that there are multiple people who have come out now and said that they were uncomfortable with him and felt that he was racist or was bigoted in a way that felt made, that affected them working-wise, and he almost got his ass beat by another release guy, Ezra Judge, a.k.a. EJ Nduka. Well, and, and the safety thing is a really big fucking concern because for those, like, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this show, you know a lot about the business, but, like, yes. I, 
even people that know a lot about the business don't fully understand like the referee plays a really important role in keeping everyone safe. Literally. Like the referee plays a very, very important role in protecting the safety of everyone involved. It is the referee's job and responsibility to throw up the signal when somebody gets hurt and to stop the match. It is the referee's job to be listening on the earpiece for decisions to make changes to the finish or when it's time to go home in the match. Like, the referee plays a really fucking important role in ensuring the bodily safety of the people in the ring with them. And so, like, it fucking matters if people felt like he wasn't doing that for them. Yeah. That's the biggest fucking indictment of all of them. And you talked about the big shit. But what about when they're in the ring and someone is out of it and the ref only person that can tell is the ref? Yeah. You know, you have to trust that the ref has your best interest at heart, even when you don't have your best interest at heart. Yeah. And if someone's heart isn't pure. You need to be able to trust the referee to lean over to your opponent and be like, yo, he's he's on another planet right now. We need to go home. Something is wrong here. Yeah. So there's a million things. All I can say is, man. So my question about you is, and my best question about both of these guys actually is, do you think that I, some, do you think someone is going to hire, I don't mean like an indie company for a night, because any indie can use uh, the controversy for a night to, to get a, to, to sell a house, right? I'm talking about like an actual company. Do you think that Patrick or that Drake will sign with another company? I think Patrick has a better chance than Drake, which is really honestly kind of fucked up if you think about it, because like Patrick being, is credibly accused of sexual assault. Like Drake is a conspiracy theorist and a crazy person. And like, mm-hmm. that's bad. And he's probably a racist, which is like even worse. Really bad. Um, yeah. But like none of those rise to the level of sexual assault. And in, unless he actively physically put hands on someone, like being a racist makes you a terrible person that I don't want around. Being yes. um, a conspiracy theorist who espouses crazy MAGA shit because you've like fallen into the QAnon hole makes you a terrible person that I don't want to be around. Mm-hmm. But I still think they're less severe on the spectrum compared to credible accusations of sexual assault from multiple people, several mm-hmm. of whom are underage. Mm-hmm. I actually disagree with you. <clears throat> I think Drake is going to be the first person to get hired and will probably get hired relatively quickly because he can be hidden. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking that. You can sign Drake and people don't know. Yeah. Because you, you don't have to make him an on-screen referee. You can use him as a booker. You can use him as an agent. You can use him as a whatever behind the scenes. And that's the and that and that is probably the tragedy in Drake's situation, because by and large, the man remade his life. He was a drug addict. He came from a broken home and had a whole bunch of bad shit. Remade his life, all this stuff, and became a better person. And he was a fantastic referee. 
he was the best they had in the company. I think he's a great poster child, though, for, and I'm not trying to hate on it, please don't take it as that, but I think he's a great poster child for some of the inherent dangers of the 12 steps. The 12 okay. steps, the 12 mm. steps puts a huge emphasis on religion. Like, yes. a hu- one yes. of the 12 steps is giving yourself over to some kind of higher power. And yeah. basically, basically, once you get to that point, you realize that the entire point of the 12-step program is to replace your addiction to alcohol with your addiction to faith. This. Of some or sort. that, yeah. Yes. Um, and this is the inherent danger of that kind of thinking. When we decide to say oh, well, yeah, you had a crippling disease, but the, pro- or the solution to your disease is not therapy and counseling. The solution to your disease is to just go full on into some kind of higher power or some other yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I went full ham sandwich, banana pancake into this religious craziness to the point of zealotry to the point of now I'm susceptible to conspiracy theories because, like, you know, I'm, I've become a prayer warrior yeah. to replace the addiction hole that was in my life. And the times that I used to spend trying to score or trying to, like, be caught up in the lifestyle, I now yep. spend doing my prayer warrior stuff, which yep. now has become... Oh, no, I'm just trying to stop child trafficking. Yeah, child trafficking is bad. Yeah, we all agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Child trafficking is really bad. For sure, yeah. You should come to this meeting where we talk about how child trafficking is bad. Yeah, I'd love to come to your child trafficking meeting. Oh, oh, you think child trafficking is bad because it's evidence of some, like, secret Jewish cabal that runs the world where they suck the blood of the children. I just think that, like, maybe we should traffic kids. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm at the wrong meeting. I'm so sorry. I'm at the wrong meeting. Pardon me. Um, where's the exit? No, you're spot on. That's that is that is one of the best assessments you've made on the show. That is spot on because it's something something I never thought of. I would never thought of before. But I do. There is clearly uses his behavior. Let's be clear. None of it excuses his behavior. He deserved to be fired. He's toxic as fuck. He's probably a fucking racist, which also goes hand in hand with you went through the 12 steps in the deep south? Oh, so you learned white southern Baptist Christianity. Yep. It's all falling into place now. There's a clear link to religion and broken people because Everybody's looking for that fix. Everybody's looking for that to fill that void. And your point is spot on. And I say this as a religious man myself, but I didn't go looking for a void. Everybody has their own reasoning for believing what they believe. But that's spot on because if you've listened to this man's interviews, like if you if you listen to this man's interviews, any in any interview, the way he talks about it, you can tell. Everything you're saying is spot on. Um, I'll tell you this. I won't miss him. I won't miss nope. Dream. Nope. I, I, and I want to miss Dream because mm-hmm. I, I can't compartmentalize it anymore. Not that I ever could, but he's one I, of the best. Go ahead. I was going to say he's one, of, he's one of the best performers 
of this generation and to, to and you generation know five years. Well, and you know what I hate really like from a meta standpoint and like this shouldn't matter, but this is the United States. So it does fucking matter. Patrick Clark is a dark skinned black man. Good point. And the world was going to be his or like was going to be his oyster. And he was going to be given opportunities that a lot of dark skinned black men don't fucking get, especially in wrestling, especially in the WWE. Like, let me remind everybody, Kofi Kingston was the first black WWE champion, and him and Bobby Lashley are the only two of the three black WWE champions whose blackness is even acknowledged. Man, look. And to add to that, there is, and there is, the, I don't want to ever speculate about a person's sexuality, but there is a lot of things out there that would make There's you There's a believe. lot of feminism in Patrick, yes. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about about the people that he assaulted were boys. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh yeah, and that like as a gay man, that makes me feel some type of way because that plays into stereotypes that yep. they leveled at our community for fucking years, saying that like we couldn't be trusted around your kids and shit, yep. and just, like that we're all just fucking pedophiles. But uh, to your point though, that he was a dark-skinned black man, the world was his oyster. He's he's, he's possibly a dark-skinned black gay man. And the world was his oyster. You don't see those latitudes. You never see that. And, you know, and this is also fucked up because, you know, Austin Theory still has a job. Um, This is also fucked up in the sense of what do I always say when it comes to being any kind of minority in America? You don't have the same length of fuck up rope that everybody else has. Your fuck up rope is real 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 taught at all times because they stay ready to cut that bitch you're right but i'll say this that that motherfucker got the longest rope i've ever seen oh yeah no he skirt he skirted it for a long time because here's the but i think some of that is also you know this is a company that is always concerned with optics i'm glad you brought that that always concerned with optics and so like you've got accusations and and all they are is accusations. No police reports, no no legality, and yes. You add in the things that we just said that make the situation tragic in the sense of like, God, I hate to see a young, dark skinned, black, possibly gay man who yeah. had all of these opportunities squander them. You hate to fucking see it. From a company standpoint, they're thinking, Oh shit, we can't just like fire the young gay black dude because somebody said that he did something bad like i need more than that yep yep so and so to kind of put a bow on it though i'm glad you brought that up because that's the last thing i wanted to get to and i mentioned this before we got on the show just in us talking is that i think this proves i think this goes to prove that justice is always going to get served just not in the way we want it what i mean is when the Drake stuff started happening, or when the first dream allegation started happening, the rhetoric was, oh, well, find these motherfuckers now. Get rid of them now. And we wanted swift justice, but instead we got correct justice. Because now there's no coming back. Now you've kind of taken the heat off of them. And now, not the heat, I'm like wrestling heat off of them. Now they're pretty much not worth shit. Now they've tripled, doubled and tripled and quadrupled their way down. And the, the negative shit that they've done to where they're almost unhirable and shown their hand instead of making them and martyring them. And I think back to situations with ACH and the Jordan Miles shirt, the smile, 
and I think of Alberto Del Rio, who's a piece of shit, but his situation with the social media guy who called him a dirty Mexican or said, watch my, he said some type of racial slur. And Alberto slapped the dude and ACH lost his fucking mind on Twitter. We remember the situations, but ACH had the issue and he ended up quitting and Alberto got fired because he put his hands on a guy that wasn't a, a talent. People were pissed. But I kept telling people the other people will be reprimanded. They just can't do it in public because of the legality of the situation. That dude could have sued Alberto. In and the company. Uh, yeah, yep. and the company because he could have said that the company failed to provide a safe work environment. And, and, and remember, and Alberto... Honestly, it's doing Alberto a favor because I don't think Alberto has full citizenship. I know Alberto works in the United States regularly, that's, that's but possible. I'm not sure he has citizenship. And that matters because, like, that kind of lawsuit shit can fuck your immigration up. That's very possible. I didn't even think about that. I was going to say... I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah. Alberto might have U.S. citizenship. I can't remember if he... I can't remember if he does or doesn't. But yeah. if he doesn't have full U.S. citizenship yet, yeah. if he's just a Mexican citizen who regularly works in the United States, Work visas those stuff, yeah. kinds of things can like fuck up with your immigration. They can make it harder for you to get work in certain states. Like, yeah. That can really mess you up. What I was going to say was that he is a licensed mixed martial artist. Oh, yeah. So, so by, by the law, weapons. by the law, yes. So it's even worse for him in that regard. Um, and the ACDA situation, the, everybody knew the dude was a piece of shit. He was going to get fired anyway. It just took somebody giving them a legit reason to fire the dude. So long story short, please continue to, to push WWE to do the right things. Continue to make stands against shitty people and people who are bad for business and bad for the company and just bad in general. But understand that if you want real justice, it takes a little longer because today, as of today, the justice that was necessary happened. If we would have got these dudes released a year ago, there would have been a whole lot of bullshit and we'd have still been hearing their names. So I just want people to think about that when we look at this in totality. Well, and so to just kind of transition away, you know, we're talking about accountability and we're talking about people saying and doing questionable things. Man, there's somebody out there in the WWE who has, on more than one occasion, been caught up in some questionable shit or being yep. associated with some questionable people. Um, and, like, we got to talk about your boy Ricochet. Yep. I, uh, you know, I want to make Ricochet kind of, not a tragic figure, but sympathetic because of his situation. But then he does stupid shit. Now, yeah. I will say... I want to say, as I tell the story, it took me a minute to understand the problem. And that's on me. Completely understand. When I, once I got it, I got it. But uh, Ricochet put out a tweet a few days ago um, that said, there's literally no one who could do what I do and how I do it. But I'll let y'all discuss. And he put the sunglasses face emoji. There was a fan who responded to him saying, uh, because there's more than one style of high flying, sir. Well, he responded back, and none are as good as mine. And hit him with the shrug. The fan then responded and said, touche. In that aspect, I can agree. But at Shirai Eo, speaking of Eo Shirai, it's also a phenomenal high flyer as well. She's the best at what she does with the woman shrugging emoji 
And this is where Ricochet fucked up. He responded and said, I'm not saying she's not amazing. She 100% is. But I can do, in all caps, everything she can, probably even better. She can't do what I'm capable of, maybe not even half. Let that breathe. Let that breathe for a second. Now, I want to explain why I missed it. And I want to explain why I got it. And I'm going to throw it to you, okay? I missed it because I saw the beginning and I saw him give her credit. And it didn't, it, I took it as him bigging himself up. I missed that it almost, it, that he ended up taking her down. And it, take, it, it was by the good faith of people like Madeline Lenore on Twitter, who's a good Twitter friend of mine in the shows, who basically explained to me that so, and I should know this, I'm a black man, but so many times women, particularly women, I was going to say people of minority and people of, um, and people, LGBTQ community people, are torn down, but especially women, and the, by their own people, by their own co-workers. And it's like, you got to know better than to down her after all the stuff she's trying to fight to be, to be looked at as equal of you. And no, maybe she can do the same shit you can, but you can't do the shit she can. And it shouldn't even be a comparison. The response should have been, you know what? She's great. I think I'm great. We're both great. We're just different. Well, so I have I have a few reactions. So okay. the fan so the fans comment was that EO was the best at what she does. The, um I'm gonna read it again. Touche. Yep. In that aspect, I can agree. But mm-hmm. Eo Shirai is also a phenomenal high flyer as well. And to your point, she's the best at what she does. Spot on. All you got to say is, you know what? You're right. She is the best at what she does. That's all you say. Period. You put a bow on the sentence. That's all you fucking say. You're right. She is the best at what she does. You don't say anything about what she does. You don't compare what she does to what you do. You don't make it about you. You acknowledge your coworker. You support your coworker. You build up this person who's oh. performing on a smaller platform than you because she's on NXT, which gets a third of the audience. Yeah, facts. So that's number one. Number two, why are you making it a comparison when nobody was making it a comparison? All the fan had said was that she was the best at what she does. She didn't say that she was better than you. She didn't say that she could do things that you couldn't do. All the fan said is that Io Shirai was the best at what she does. So, like, why do you feel the need to make this a competition between you in any way, shape, or form? Like, get, get off your, like, get that chip off your shoulder, first of all. Um, and then also, and I mean, you know, it might be true. It might be. But how the fuck do we know? We've never seen EO try some of the shit that you do. Maybe EO can do a 720. Maybe EO can pop off with the springboards. I don't know if she Good can point. do that because I've never seen her try it. So I'm not, I'm not prepared to sit here and say that she can't. She might not be able to, but that's not the point. Yep, and it's not your place to say. It's not my place to say. I've never seen her try to do what you do. 
I've seen you do some of the things that she does, and sometimes she does them fucking better. And that's not a knock to you or a disrespect to you. You're still one of the best high flyers in the business right now. But it doesn't change the fact that you continue to associate with shitty and questionable fucking people. Like, I've seen you photographed in Chase and Rance's fucking dojo. Often. Often. Unapologetically so. You were part of the group partying with the people that got fucking fired. Mm-hmm. You hang out with Tessa parties. all the time. In fact, you're Tessa's ex-boyfriend, so... Not just ex-boyfriend. Serious ex-boyfriend, because they were together for like five years, so that's another thing. So I'm just like, you just stay making all of these questionable-ass choices. And again, I don't ever want to sit here and knock down anybody in terms of like hating on them as a person and knocking their character. But you're making a lot of questionable character choices, and they make me not sure. want to see you perform because I'm just like, you're kind of a dick, bro. Well, let's talk about that because... I don't, I'm, I'm not going to try to psychoanalyze this motherfucker, but my assumption is that the reason he felt empowered or em, the reason he felt like he had to respond that way is because there is a large rhetoric online, often, all the time, of, well, Ricochet's better than this. Well, Ricochet deserves better. Well, if he was an AEW, he'd be this and that and the other. And I know the motherfucker's sick of it because I'm sick of it. So it almost felt like it almost felt and feels if you follow his Twitter account that he's oftentimes trying to defend himself in instances where there is no defense needed because there's so much rhetoric of him of people saying, well, he's better than this. And, you know, it's, it's just so, you know, I just felt like he almost got he almost to use a wrestling term. I feel like he worked himself into a shoot. Now that I could buy now that I could buy that's big Kwame Brown energy. <laughs> Sprinkle a little sauce on it. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey when Matt, he Barnes, said Matt chose, Barnes, I died. Go, Matt Barnes, go give Derek Fisher that gas money, bro. <laughs> Doug, Becky with the good hair. Um, we could can we can we just talk can we talk Kwame Brown the rest of the show? No, the best part of the whole Bobby Brown situation, straight up, is Gilbert Arenas. Because <laughs> oh, as man. soon as he came for it, as soon as Gilbert found out, Gilbert Arenas, who normally wants it with everybody, as soon as Gilbert found out shit was being talked and things were being said, was just, no, that's cool. It's cool. <laughs> yep. Mommy mm-hmm. said those things. He did those things. You know, it's cool, man. It's cool. He know better. He know better. I mean, right, so... Kwame Brown is seven foot tall at like almost three hundred pounds. I don't want that shit. Man, Kwame Brown, no, fuck that, fuck that size shit. That motherfucker from the south, he will do anything to your bitch ass. Uh, uh-uh, no, you right. I don't want no smoke with Kwame Brown. Um, the 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 Outsiders Edge NBA slash Kwame Brown podcast is a no. No, the funny thing is, the funny thing is because we both live in the south, and I'm a teacher in the south. We've both met Kwame Brown. Not Kwame Brown, but we've both met Kwame Brown. We watched that video and we're just like, huh, this is only a hundred people that I know. Yeah, I probably talked to three of them today. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So let's pivot here. And I want to get your visceral, genuine gut reaction to zombies. I'm just going to leave it at that. I ain't got a, I ain't got a journalism that shit. You know what it is. Oh, I mean, my visceral, honest gut reaction to zombies is... It... <clears throat> <laughs> Take your time. Trash! <laughs> well, that That's has been Cal Moore's. Yeah. Yeah, trash. No, it was, it was trash. Like, like, and and I sit here and I stand for the Miz and Morrison harder than a lot of people do because, like, a lot of people just don't like Miz and Morrison. And I get it. I do. I get it. But I'm just like, they're so fucking talented. So, like, you ain't got to like them. The talent is just oozing. Um, and I'm really high on Damian Priest. Like, I never thought as Punishment Martinez that his ceiling was as high as it has turned out to be, um, like, legitimately, you know. And I saw him perform live as Punishment, but just the way that he was being utilized in Ring of Honor, like, I didn't realize he had such, like, high potential. And it's just like, this feud should have ended at WrestleMania, first of all. Like, it just really should have. And the reason I say it should have, the reason I say it should have, is because the feud wasn't Damian Priest versus Miz and Morrison. The feud was Bad Bunny versus Miz and Morrison. Damian Priest was a conduit of the wrestling portion of the feud. And I understand how that allows for continuity because now you can pivot and make it about Priest versus mm-hmm. Miz and Morrison. But that only works if the creative is good. And in the build-up to zombies, we had tomato throwing. And we have had the, like, obviously the whole point of this was to build to the gradual dissolution of Miz and Morrison as a duo. duo. Um, And them going what I think was the mistake route, because clearly they were building this to be Miz getting frustrated and turning on Morrison again, when... Really, I think the move is Johnny Drip Drip as a heel because Morrison is better as a heel. Yeah, but Miz can't play heel, bro. Miz can't play face. We know that. I know Miz can't it's play face. Which, which is why, as unfortunate as the injury is, Perfect timing. saving grace, now Morrison can be the heel, which is his natural and better role. 
Agreed. Agreed. And if you fast track Frankie Monet to the main roster because Morrison and his wife together as a power couple works. They've done it in three companies. It yeah. fucking works. But you can't do it and you can't do it in WWE because there's literally gonna be Miz and Miz and Maurice cosplay. And I know Frankie and I know Taya and Johnny been doing it longer than Miz and Maurice have. But in WWE's sphere, that's Miz and Maurice. And so for Taya to come and do the same thing, it's gonna it no it was Miz so close re, uh, related to Morrison. I just don't think it'll work. I'm not saying I don't want to see it. I just don't think it'll work. Um, you're right about this. My, my only retort until you brought up the creative was that if I was Miz and Morrison, I'm pissed. Bunny gone. I can't go and go check that motherfucker. So you know what, Damian Priest gonna get this work because you his big buddy. Um, but yeah, the creative was shitty. Now, the the rhetoric behind it is where I I find it funny because people are saying, and people like Dave fucking Lagreca on busted open. People are saying that this is the worst fucking. Sh- the New York Times did a piece on it, saying how far it's pushed wrestling back. The New York Times or the New York Post, one of those New York shits. No, uh, for me, the worst things that i've recalled in wrestling like they are wwe but they're not this their wwe cw had a lot of the worst shit i've ever seen just in terms of just like ridiculous creative and like this been some bad wwe stuff Sami Zayn and bobby lashley's sisters Oh, Bobby Lashley. This is your life with Bailey and with Bailey and Alexa. There's been some bad shit. The Lashley, the the old day with the Gallows and Anderson. There's been some bad shit recently. But it's just funny to me that of all the shows you picked to talk about the one thing that set wrestling back, you pick a show with two matches of the year candidates and three three and a half to four star matches, like six matches on that card, and five of them were fantastic. This is just me bullshitting, but it's all part of an effort to distract from the greatness of our tribal chief. I'm, I'm trying to tell you, dog. <laughs> trying to, they won't acknowledge him, bro. I'm trying to tell you. Jimmy didn't got a nobody's bitch shirt. I, I'm trying to tell you. No, it's it just spot on. I, I, look, to, you, you are very famous on this show of saying very correctly that Two things can be true at the same time. In the same breath, you can say that that zombies bullshit was some bullshit, and I hope they never do it again. Ooh, and bad. in the same and in the same breath, nobody's gonna think about this shit next week. It's not gonna be. And I want and I want to say for those, those AEW fans, what do we call them? The Elite Defense Unit. I think that's what the, I think that's what Sam told us their name was. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to Sir Sam, who, by the way, may be coming on to have that debate mm-hmm. sooner rather than later. That's such a time jump. He's like yeah, a full twenty four hours behind us, or no? Ahead, told of, me, ahead of us. He messaged me that his 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 um his schedule has changed, which will make it a little more conducive. But um, I know people will compare that to the criticism of the blood and guts finish with Jericho, or will compare it with the finish of uh, Moxley and. Uh, Omega in the death match. The difference is, those were the very reason people bought or watched those shows, and that's the lasting image you had. 
there was not a human being alive that subscribed to Peacock for $9.99 for his month free to watch Backlash oh, for the sole purpose. You only got to get the Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. For $5.99. And, no, and none of, nobody did that for the entire purpose of saying, I'm watching Damian Priest versus the fucking Miz. In the middle of the mid card. In the middle of the mid card. In the least most important match of the show. Because every other match was a title match. There's no diss to them. Oh, yeah. This was the piss break match, basically. Yes. So no diss. No diss to them because they're fantastic. But that, and we can even kind of use this as a conduit to talk about something I want to talk about. I will say this before you do. I did theater when I was in high school. I know, shock, the gay kid did theater. Um, (laughs) Hey, stereotypes, Kyle So we used to do these competitions, right? And at the competitions, our theater director One year we were going last on the first night It was a two-night competition And he was just like, here's the thing about it You're either the best thing they've seen all night Or you're not But they're going to remember it either way When you're the main event you're the last thing people are going to have in their minds. And either you're the best thing they've seen all night or you're not. And, it, and in the case of the death match and blood and guts, the problem wasn't the match themselves. Yep. The problem was the go home finish after the match was poorly done in such a way that it overshadowed the good match that took place Prior to it. Yep. This on it. was a mid-card match that nobody gave a shit about beforehand, legitimately, because like even dieharders like you have been admitting that like Raw has been well, it was trash, and Raw creatively in the lead up to WrestleMania Backlash had been like not very good. No, no, they raw. Now I will say since Wrestle, since WrestleMania, Raw's back. You have said that tank. they've been. You you have said that they've been rebounding well the last couple of weeks. But I mean, but even it was you had garbage. Exactly, and as and my I, good friend, as diehard a fan mm-hmm. as there is, and it's just like even you were willing to admit that your beloved Raw was in the drizzling shits for a little while. My good friends used the word basura in Spanish. Yeah. It yeah. was bad. It was really bad. There was parts that was good, but by and large, it was bad. And they rectified a, a, a good portion of that, but it was bad. And I got no qualms about it because if some good, I'm gonna say it's good. If some bad, I'm gonna say it's bad. It ain't that fucking hard, you know. So, um, we have our list of stuff, but we also we're gonna have a viewer's choice episode coming up soon. I'm excited about that. We're gonna figure out a day to do that where we ask you guys. To give us topics you want to talk about, questions if you have for us. But uh, Ricky and Clive, our good friends over at Social Suplex, didn't have a show this week. Shit happens, right? Yeah. But Clive gave us some some stuff he wanted to talk about. We were going to get to it at the end of the show, but one of it directly involves Damian Priest. You you get to talk uh, about that now? Yeah, let's let's talk about that now. Shout out so to I'm Clive. Gonna... Listen to Ricky and Clive. I'm gonna read. Uh, I'm gonna read exactly as he sent us the message. Okay. Um, Damian Priest has become Vince's. Uh, is is Damian Priest Vince's new yes man? Is this good or bad for his future? 
And since since arriving on Raw, he's been involved with The Miz, Bad Bunny, Tomatoes, and Zombies, all in a short period of time, all very sports entertainment rather than pro wrestling. One, do you think he's of the mindset that I'll do whatever the fuck Vince asks if I stay on TV? Two, if so, will that lose him the goodwill of the IWC? And three, does this bode well for his main roster future? I'm going to throw it to you first. All right. One, yeah, probably. Like, if the, if this is what the boss wants and he signs my fucking checks and by doing these things I get to stay on the show and probably get even bigger checks later, yeah, sure, I'll do that shit. Uh, that's number one. Number two, no. In fact, it will do the opposite. It will enhance his will with the I, his goodwill with the IWC because now he'll become one of those Damian Priest deserves better than this. Damian Priest is way more talented than this. Man, I can't believe they got Damian Priest doing some shit with tomatoes and zombies. Damian Priest deserves better. So this will enhance his goodwill with the IWC. And three, eh, it's hard to tell. Vince is very ooh shiny. So like, as long as, you know, Vince likes him and he can, you know, parlay this into his next storyline, which mm-hmm. will be hopefully less sports entertainment and more traditional, Pro probably. Wrestling. Um, then maybe he'll be all right. If Vince gets distracted by the new shiny thing and he becomes the latest in the we don't have anything for you gang, then that could be problematic. Yes, but I think to to go, I'm with you on number one and number two. My number two answer is different. I think I don't think it'll lose in the goodwill of the IWC because all the bullshit aside, in ring the matches are good. So that'll yeah, hold Ben him can over. go. He's a big he's a big man who can go, and like everybody loves big men who can go. One hundred and big men, and he can fly too. That which is an yeah, extra he can do flippy juice. Yes, number three. I, I I think it does bode well for his main roster future, but I want to say that there's a lot of the people who get lost in the shuffle in WWE because there's somebody else like them, right? Like Andrade got lost in the shuffle, but and I'm I'm not saying it's right, but you got Angel Garza who he was teaming with, you got Humberto, you got so many people who may not be able to do the same things, but you can put them in similar buckets. There's not a person on their roster who fills any of the spots that Damian Priest does. The size, the in-ring ability and the things he does in ring. You know, he's a, a black, I think he's a black belt in some form of martial arts. Um, the gimmick and something you've pointed out, which is now being really shown, the fact that he is now essentially the face of WWE, WWE's Latino community. He, he, yeah. Now he's cutting promos in Spanish. And before he, before this, before Bad Bunny, we watched him for all those years of punishment. Of, I didn't know he could speak Spanish. Speaking of, speaking of, I knew he could speak Spanish because, like, he's he's old school Puerto Rican. So, like, I knew he could speak Spanish. Fair. Yeah. New but, York City, um, Puerto Rican, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Like, yeah. Spanish was probably a primary language in the household. Um, but... My thought, though, is more, you know, going back to, you saw the Hunico interview. Yes. Um, and he brought up an interesting point 
about Bad Bunny specifically, but I think you could say the same thing about Priest to a lesser extent, just because Priest is an actual wrestler, but mm-hmm. like Priest is a brand new face, like that mm-hmm. they went outside and got, and then just called up, and then just like through with Bad Bunny. How do you feel if you're like Metalik or Umberto or Angel Garza or any of the other Mexican superstars who've been there a while? And I understand, like, I understand, I understand the business side of it. I get that. But, like, if you're one of the, like, actual Spanish-speaking wrestlers who's been there for a hot minute, how do you feel about this situation like do you feel like there's maybe some mixed emotions in the one hand like you never want you never don't want someone in your community to succeed but on the other hand like how the fuck did this motherfucker just come in and like jump 10 steps ahead in line yeah so i look at it nxt is the best frame of reference for that thought process for me and i'm gonna tell you why um i remember when um, Samoa Joe debuted, right? Mm-hmm. And Samoa Joe debuted at the end of one of the biggest feuds in NXT history, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, and jumped right into a title feud. And I remember thinking, well, man, it sucks because these guys have been putting in work and they've been building these stories for this, this long, but Joe, got to deal with it because it's Joe. And so the only one I feel for is Angel because Angel has legit star potential and he's been given the opportunity to show his star potential. But the Lucha Booties have only been shown the potential to be a tag team. Humberto's only been shown the potential to be at best a mid-card star. So it's not like we're t- if Andrade was still there, damn right. If I'm Andrade, I'm pissed because I know, you know, and even Vince knows I'm a world champion. But none of those other guys, with the exception of maybe Not Angel. to mention the market they were marketing to. La Sombra and Bad Bunny together. Would have been, been perfect. But I, I, Damon Priest is such a, 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 an anomaly. And more importantly, this goes to what we said about Andrade in general. And I'm not dissing Andrade because he's one of my favorite wrestlers. But the person in that role had to be able to speak English. Because Bad Bunny speaks it decent, but doesn't speak it fluent enough to carry the story himself. So that person had to be able to speak English. And of all the people I named, there's five people we talked about. Andrade, Angel Garza, um, Metalik, Lince, and Humberto. Two of them speak fluent English. And that's Angel and that's Lince. The show wasn't going to Lince Dorado. And Angel Garza is a very good heel right now. So you kind of stuck. You know, what do you do? I mean, you know, that's true. That's true. And not to mention, you know, the other two obvious answers were busy. Because, like, Rey Mysterio and Dominic Guerrero had other things going on. Facts. Facts. Shout out that that would be perfect. Shout out to Los Guerreros being tag team champions again. A blood Guerrero? And uh, kind of play Blood Carrero. And the play yeah. Blood is Ray. Because, you know, yeah. Dominic's real dad is Eddie. Yeah. We know what it Who's is. Who's your poppy? We know. <laughs> I'm happy for them. I felt good. I didn't think they had to put the extra shit on it with the beatdown before and all that. Nonetheless, 
I'm happy as fuck for them. I am too. And this is going to be, you know, let them have a fun little tag team title run and then let Dominic, you know, HBK is dad. And no, no, well, maybe down the line. But I need the Usos to murk them when they finally get Oh, that's fine. No, that's fine. That's fine. You know? Tease you the want- will they or tease the will they or won't they of the Usos getting back together. You know who they need to bring in as the as the counselor? They need to bring Naomi back to play counselor. She gotta she gotta bring the family back together. She ain't gonna play counselor because if you know anything about Trinity Fatu, she don't give a shit about nobody but her husband. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> She's a proud member of no, the and the no. Wyatt family, but she rocking with G- with Jim. No, but that's this is why it's perfect storyline. This is the perfect time to bring Naomi in. This is when you do it. After Jay and Roman beat the dog shit out of Jimmy for not acknowledging him, and after he has taken L after L after L, then Naomi swoops in and she's just like, baby, I love you. You mean everything to me. Oh, don't Acknowledge the butt. Acknowledge him. If Naomi acknowledges Ro- oh my God. Oh my God. That's how you oh. do it. Vince, we give you this game for free, dog. We give you this game for free. Um, That's how you finally get Jimmy to bend the knee. Not because he wanted to, but because Naomi does it to save his ass from taking another L. Wow. No, this Roman Reigns shit is like, can can a wrestler be... our lives of wrestling, and I'm here for it. Can a a wrestler be up for Emmy? (laughs) I mean, like... To be real, to be real, you know, we've got this, and, like, I fucking hate the Young Bucks, but I am here for Eddie Kingston stealing people's J's and running out the oh, building. Like my God. Like, this is now, such a great time for wrestling. <laughs> I, I hate the wild thing thing, but the fans love it. He and Moxley loves it. Cool. But them together, Stephen Mitchell, who is a contributor here at the Chair Shot, he's the guy that does our reviews. Shout out to Stephen. Stephen put out a tweet that hit that made so much sense to me. And we're moving. We got a couple AEW topics, and then we're gonna take a break and hit some quick hits. But he hit something that was so spot on to me. He said that so many people complain and bitch about two single stars being put together as a tag team and being pushed to a title shot. But then you see Moxley and Eddie Kingston, and you're like, oh well, yeah, I see why they do that. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me. Sometimes gimmicks complement each other in a way that you weren't expecting and that it just, like, it just ends up working. Moxley and Kingston versus this version. Heel Young Bucks, I'm always here for. I still hate them. I still... I'm yeah, missing no, the that, no, that's fair. But, no, that's fair. Because I'm always here for Heel Young Bucks because I hate them anyway, so this just works. But, and, but, and the heat, they're getting the heat that they want, Right? Yeah. And, and they're and they're playing that obnoxious troll character to a T, and so that those young bucks versus Mox and Eddie is going to be fun as hell next Saturday. We'll, you, we'll have our I'm not a fan of Wild Thing. And not be no. I, I get the Oneida thing before the people come for us about oh don't you get the Oneida? I get it. It still doesn't fit Mox. 
Oh, it's here now. And it they got the... might be a tribute, and I understand the why, but it still doesn't fit him. They, but they got, and they changed it because they got the uh, the Rick Vaughn uh, Major League version, and so it's a little more upbeat. It's better than the version he had when he fought Yuji Nagata. It's gonna work for me, but you know what? He like it. I love it. Fuck it. it it's, I'm not gonna. It's not the end of the world for me. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not gonna ruin. It's not gonna ruin Mox for me. I'm looking forward to actually breaking down this card next week on our preview show because Double or Nothing is next Saturday. So we're gonna hit that, and of course, we have to. We here at the Outsiders Edge believe in paying, paying for the shit for you want to buy. Content we talk about. So we are going yep. to purchase. Double or nothing. Yes, sir. To watch Double or Nothing. And we are going to tell you what we think about it, good, bad, or indifferent. Speaking of Double or Nothing, if I may, journalism, like my good brother Kyle. AEW had some big news this week, sir. Yeah, they doubled their amount of content and they nothinged their move to a new network. So, okay. So, I've... I want to break this down because there's positives, there's negatives, and then there's uh, ads, right? Yeah, yeah. What, what, what were your initial thoughts when you saw the deal? So, positive. Mm-hmm. Warner Media is in with y'all now. Yes. Like, like, they gave you a show me deal when they first signed y'all. They're like, we'll give you a slot and let you have ad revenue. Yep. You showed them you could get numbers that were better than what they probably expected, number one, because people still don't take wrestling seriously. Yep. And number two, were better than anything else they were fucking getting short of putting another NBA game on in the time slot. So they gave you more money on a second deal. All right, cool. You continued to do better. To the point where you got the show you were competing against to change dates. Mm-hmm. So now they've given you a third deal with more money, adding mm-hmm. an extra show mm-hmm. and adding quarterly specials. Which is a booking win because now I don't have to have a, spe- a very special dynamite every other fucking week. I can build towards a very special quarterly special on free TNT. You ain't even got to buy this shit. Yep. But I'm going to build it like a fucking pay-per-view so that when I charge your ass $50 for double or nothing, you don't feel as bad because I don't do it as often. Facts. Facts. And I give you all this free shit. So, like, all of that is a win. Moving to TN, uh, from TNT to TBS, I view it as a lateral move. And the reason I view it as a lateral move is because, in essence, you're moving to a network that, yes, it doesn't have the same reputation from a prestige standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's in about a million more homes, so roughly the same number of homes. So anybody who's got cable... As TBS. If you had the, TNT, you have TBS. The channel's right next to each other. In, in a lot of packages, they are, yeah. So, like, from a number of homes standpoint, 
you're not losing out on much. You're going to be able to keep your same day and same time. So from a, like, when do you tune in standpoint, you're not asking your fans to change their viewing habit. You're asking them to change their viewing channel, which is an easier mm-hmm. ask on a lot of fans. Um, but I also wondered... And I mean, there's not, you kind of answered this this morning on Chairshot Radio. Um, but like, I had kind of wondered initially, like, is it better to change network but keep your same slot? Or would it have been better to stay on TNT and move to a different day? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you kind of explained on Thursday's Chairshot Radio. On TNT, they really were out of options. The entire reason they were being made to change days is because they're going to put the NHL on TNT on Wednesday night. Hockey night is Wednesday night, yes. Um, Which I had kind of figured was going to be the thing because Wednesday night hockey was an identity that they had built under NBC. So, like, Mm -hmm. that made sense to me. Um, Basketball is already Thursday night. And Tuesday now. Oh, well, they've had, so that's two nights that they've got basketball. Even if they had been willing to put AEW over one of the basketball games, which they weren't going to do, but even if they had been willing to, even in a hypothetical world where they had been willing to, I know that they weren't, but even if they would, if you give them Tuesday, they go right back to going head-to-head with AEW, or with uh, NXT every week. Yep. You don't want to be on a weekend. So that means you would either have to go head to head with Raw or head to head with SmackDown. And even the EVPs, as arrogant as they are, have all said they're not trying to do that. Facts. They um there were so, so that that there's a lot of there's a lot, lot of intricacies in this deal. So you spoke about the good. I want to kind of double back on that because I want to, people to understand. This deal, by and large, is good. You said it, you broke it down perfectly. You just re-upped your third deal with them in essentially two, three years. Mm-hmm. And y'all After getting good money now. Show me deal. After a, yes. oh, you said you can get numbers? Prove it, bitch. Yeah. And, it's, and now they're at the point where they're like, hey, how about we give you an extra $180 million to do some more stuff? We'll give you a Friday night show. So speak of the show, because you talked about the quarterly specials, which are huge. But the second show was important. Now, the second show is going to be on Friday nights at 9 o'clock Central, 10 o'clock Eastern. So it's going to come on after SmackDown ends. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they have a second show in general, that may not be the greatest slot, but that's still the ability to do more things. And they can treat it with more prestige than they do dark or elevation, because that show is being paid for. Okay? So, now, me and you had this discussion yesterday, and it's all completely the way you perceive things, but I feel like the the overarching perception of TNT, while TBS may have better shows, is that TNT is the premier network of Turner. TBS is that other network. TNT is ESPN. TBS is ESPN2. Well, to be fair, to be fair, the premier network for Turner is HBO. 
Oh, okay, fair enough. Warner but, Brothers. Warner, yeah, Warner, yeah. But, but, TNT is now the flagship. Even though TBS came first, TNT is yes. now the flagship. Good point. That's a great point. If you guys have ever heard the term the superstation, that was TBS, because that was one of the first of its kind. Um, but yeah, TNT is the big boy. And so now this is the negative I speak of. And again, I'm not, when I say negative, it ain't hurting them. AEW's fans have shown that they are going to follow that show when, wherever the fuck it is. And that is one of the few things you can't take for granted, something WWE has taken for granted to a certain extent, is the, the relationship you have with your fans and the trust and loyalty that your fans have for you. Their fans, AEW's, are going to rock with them. So they're going to make this move. But will moving to another network hurt their growth? Will it hurt the ad revenue? Because different channels have different ad revenues. And we know that wrestling already has tough ads to get with because people don't, advertisers don't believe that they can get, that wrestling fans are going to buy their stuff. Can I honestly say, I think moving to TBS might help them in that regard because TBS is a station that airs sitcoms and reality competition shows. You're right, but people still so, they still gotta want to give money to the wrestling no, show. You're right. No, you're right. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, the type of content that TBS already is airing is the type of content that's gonna draw the kinds of advertisers that aren't going to necessarily automatically think less of the wrestling. Maybe. It's, I mean, it's very possible. It's very possible. I just know how. WWE legitimately had to say, fuck it, we're going to cater to kids and say JBL is poopy to get Mattel and Snickers, you know? Um, the other thing I want to speak of is more of that, of that perception. Now, this might not people might not like to hear this, but it's, we're speaking factually. Again, ultimately, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, but I'm just speaking in perception. They got kids out their night. They got paid to move to a lesser channel. That's not an opinion. It's factually. Because look at their deal. Four years, 175, 180 million. And look at Turner's deal for the NHL. Hockey kicked them off their night in their channel. So this is why I think Tony Khan is actually a very shrewd businessman. Maybe a shitty general manager. But a shrewd businessman. Because he was able to flip the deal in a way that looks good for them. So they move to a new network and it's branded as this is their network now. They get the new show, they get the four quarterly shows, and they get another raise. It's genius. And it's a genius way to mask the fact that they were kicked off and moved off of their night and their show when he, com- com- when he explicitly and almost arrogantly came out and said, we're not going to move. I, not even two months later, y'all moved. It's not a big deal, but perception is reality in in the world and especially in entertainment. But Rance, what he meant is they're not going to move time slot. He never meant they wouldn't change channels. I'm glad you asked that young IDW, IC, ICW fan. Remember when y'all said that in, that WWE counter-programmed AEW because they moved their channel but they didn't move the time slot even though NXT was always on Wednesdays? Oh, so where is that same energy? That's what I thought. Anyway, I don't want to bring up negativity. 
I, but I want to keep it real. But I want to say hats off to AEW. Hats off to Tony Khan and the EVPs. They're the fucking bag, homie. Oh, my God. They are here to stay. Also, also, this could be potentially, you know, bigger for them in terms of, like, more they can ingratiate themselves to Warner, the more they can, like, get in on them streaming revenues. That's next, isn't it? That's because, the only thing they ain't got. Because, and, I mean, Warner just got sold off to Discover. Like, people, they're branding it at, they're branding it as a merger, but, like, what it is, is AT&T bought Warner Media thinking that they were going to get into television, and then AT&T decided, oh, wait, hold up, that's not our bag, homie. Um, Discovery, y'all want this? We Isn't it crazy that Discovery could buy Warner? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Shows you how strong that brand is, baby. I say this. As you you guys will laugh, I don't give a fuck. I am a Discovery Plus subscriber. I pay for that every month, and I enjoy it quite all, quite much. I pay for the HBO Max. I don't have Discover Plus, not because I wouldn't enjoy it. I would happily enjoy it. I just don't have it. But I'm hoping now that they're merging with Warner that maybe they will slowly just integrate that into HBO Max. Maybe. Um, my mom was a designer by trade, so w- when it came out instantly, I was like, oh, HGTV, Food Network, that's me and my mom's, we good. And, um, shout out to Tip and Joanna Gaines, by the way, if you know, you know. Um, I do want to talk one more AEW subject, and it's a little more on the salacious side, but there seems to be the news that will smoke. shock no one. <gasps> so, you know, there were more than one. Executive Vice President of AEW, um, one Matt, Matthew and Nicholas Jackson, one Kenneth J. Omega, and one Garrett Runnels. He's not going to be called the other name. <laughs> Fuck that dude. <laughs> and I'll even throw Brandy, Brandy Runnels in the equation. Oh, man. I was just saying, when he comes out to that Snoop Dogg remix of American Dream. You know what, dog? Just for you, when they start when they start getting ready and showing the promo for that match, I'm going to call you on Skype. We're going to record my reaction, and we'll put that shit on. Maybe maybe we'll put that shit on TV, on, on, on the internet. Maybe. We might oh, do that. Because uh, I'm going to break everything in my, in, in my, in my house. I want you to know that. Um, but to the, to the EVPs, there are rumors that these young men and women are having some infighting. Now, you would think, oh, this is a nobody saying the shit, or this is just a hater. No, Wade Keller is speaking about this. So, I'm going to read some quotes for you, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast with Wade Keller, PW Torch, and ProWrestlingNet.net's Jason Powell. Two names known in the business, especially Wade Keller. Wade Keller is one of the, the Mount Rushmore of, of wannabe journalists. This is a quote, sir. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a book written someday by some of these EVPs or someone else closely observing, and we're going to learn about a lot of dysfunction. We're going to learn what a very short honeymoon period there was between certain key people in the company who aren't even talking to each other anymore. I think we're going to find that out. I know there are people in other wrestling companies saying the Bucks and Garrett and Kenny 
it's not going to be long before they all want to have nothing to do with each other. The honeymoon period is going to be short. It seems like it is. It seems like there is some disengagement in people going off into their own that is showing up in certain ways. Also, um, Jason Powell then started saying, if that's not happening, they need to clear up that misconception. I do think it's happening, but if it's not, I'll just say, pay attention to this, sir. There's a would-be difference maker who could go there that has that opinion that there's this all that, that there that there's all this infighting and that this person for that reason is hesitant to go there. I have one more quote for you. This is from the big dick daddy of them all, Mr. Dick Meltzer, aka Dave Meltzer, because he's a dick. Um, his response is and to the blurb in the the news item. No anyway, nobody isn't talking to each other. It's impossible in wrestling to get everyone to agree on everything, especially when they are passionate about it. The Young Bucks and Omega are legit, close, personal friends. Cody is more of a business relationship with the other three, but it's not an adversarial one in the least, and all have the same end goals, which is to build a company that sustains and grows. They have different philosophies. But everyone in wrestling does based on where, when you grew up, where you grew up, and your life experiences. But Tony runs the show, and ultimately it's the Tony philosophy. All want a diversified approach, and you can argue whether that's good or bad. But what it is, they all seem to agree on. But that is what they all seem to agree on. So, sir, a lot to respond to that. I just think it's funny that they finally got a second show, so the Bucks and, Co- the Bucks and Kenny can have their show. And Cody and Brandy can have theirs. You mean to tell me <laughs> that the Lifetime Indie guys mm-hmm. and the WWE lifer who was the offspring of Dusty Rhodes who mm-hmm. basically invented the blueprint of what is now sports entertainment mm-hmm. don't see eye to eye on booking philosophy? Shocking, isn't it? You mean to tell me that the guy who brought in his Hollywood actor friend mm-hmm. so that they could build mainstream credibility and is now a host on various television shows for Turner and is basically using this company to create a brand for himself? Mm-hmm doesn't see philosophically eye to eye with three people who see themselves as the self-righteous, self-appointed saviors of professional wrestling. I just want you to take a minute and digest it. I know it's hard to believe. I I just, I can't, I can't understand how that could possibly be the case. Like, why wouldn't they all be on the same page. I mean, it's not like we've been on the show for weeks saying things like, it feels like Cody's on one show and the Bucks and Kenny are on this other show. Hmm. It's, it's not like for a long time now we haven't been saying, does it feel like Cody Rhodes is in his own little universe within AEW, like self-contained and isolated from everything and everyone else? 
Mm. Mm. Can't put my finger on it either. Mm. Mm. <sighs> if only, if only people could have foreseen that uh, all of the boys having control. It's not always going to end well. But Kyle, who could have who could have ever seen that? I don't know. It's hmm. a mystery. I just Man. hope, you know, I genuinely do hope this part. For real, for real. I hope nothing but the best for the company. Um, Agreed. Agreed. I honestly, you know, they need Garrett's business acumen. They do. Yeah. They need his eye for sports entertainment. They really fucking do. But they also need to be rid of Garrett. If that mm. makes sense. Like, like mm. they need what he brings from a business standpoint. But like, Cody is using this to get himself over. That's all this is to him. Sure. A little pet project that he's playing at. You know, he's trying to cosplay as his dad. He's trying to cosplay as the Miz. Like, he's got this whole thing going on. But, like, it's utterly disconnected from the rest of the show. And, like, you know, if a go-go doesn't win this match, like, that's... We riot, bro. Remember them old. Remember them them uh, yeah. signs from the John Cena match. Yeah, we, we riding for real if a go go loses, dog. Like, first of all, did you see that fucking promo? Oh, he's amazing. Uh, and the go go has shown me number one. The go hey, is where it's fucking at. Let me say this real quick, just thirty seconds. QT Marshall was a QT Marshall was a nobody who was just a friend of me. QT Marshall is the is the trainer to the stars now at this point. Because he trained this man from scratch. Give me Anthony Agogo and put him in my veins. I need more Anthony Agogo. My yeah. God. And QT Marshall is a legend for oh. one reason, and that is getting that man ready. All I'm saying is all I'm saying is like five years from now, when I get Anthony Agogo versus Hook, like the uh, AW World Championship, yes. I'm here. I'm here, dog. Give it to me. Hooker. Well, actually, you know a Google's probably gonna beat WWE by only five years. Vince, I'm sorry. Race truck. <laughs> My bad. Think I about it. You telling me you don't? You you telling me you, you telling me you don't see a go? You telling me you, you telling me a go? You get you don't see a Google versus Tyson Fury main eventing a, a pay per view in 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 uh England. Bro, bro, bro. Like, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Tony Khan's money runs long, but like Chad is only going to give him so much. Vince will back up the entire Brinks truck, the whole one. I'm glad you said that because I'm sick and tired of saying that Tony Khan has more money. They have more literal money, but all their money is not put into their wrestling business. All of Vince's money is put into his wrestling business well, on top of the money they make from the from the uh, investors. Well, no, but that's really what it comes down to. The important thing is, like, don't get it twisted. I understand the cons have more money. The cons are oil barons. Yeah. They have blood oil money. I get it. But as a result, 
Shad has the blood oil money. Tony's going to inherit that fortune, but yep. Shad runs the blood oil fortune. For Shad, AEW is his son's pet project that he like lets him play with. So you're telling me <laughs> it's just so funny because literally it's the same thing. Triple H is like, Dad, I want something to do. Give me an XT. And Chad and Tony was like, Dad, I want to own a wrestling company. Give me some money. <laughs> so like this is just no, but this like for Shad, this is his son's <laughs> pet project. And for Vince, this is the business. All of That's... my billions of dollars are this business. So if I got to offer you twice as much as that guy is offering you, I'll do it. I'll fucking do it. Meanwhile, Tony might have more theoretical money, but I fully believe that there is a point at which if he were to be, if he were to go to Shad and be like, yo, we really want to get this person, blah, blah, blah. This is how much it's going to cost. I really feel like there's a certain dollar amount, and I don't know what it is, where mm-hmm. Shad's just going to be like, I'm you outside your goddamn mind. <laughs> a la what? Yep. Yep. You want you want a million dollars for some dick druids? In this economy? Oh, no. Yeah. Um, shout, out to, shout out to AW and their EVPs. And um, I, you know, I hope the crew gets back together soon. My a, hey, Mark goes out to him just because I can't understand how this happened. I'm blown. I am. I am flabbergasted. Stop. I am blown away that that there could even be the preponderance of any issues between these strapping young gentlemen. Hmm. Well, um, you want to hit some quick hits? Yeah, let's hit these quick hits. All right. So shout out to the big homie Rab Ropes. Rob Daniels, um, I was gonna say a little brother, but that motherfucker older than both of us. But uh, <laughs> the the doesn't doesn't Rob feel like the and this is not a diss. People are gonna hear take it as a diss, but it's not. Rob feels like the Sean Waltman of the Click, in that he doesn't have a show, he's not a podcaster, but he's the glue that holds us all together. <laughs> oh for sure, oh for sure. Love you, Rob. He had two things he wanted us to hit real quick. First of them is Hit Row. You don't watch NXT, so if you don't mind, I'll take it. All those. I know, yeah, you can take it. All I know about Hit Row is that they look really badass, and like it looks like something I would be all about. I just haven't been watching NXT, so I don't know anything about it. So, in real life, Isaiah Swerve Scott is, well, that's not his real name. Fuck, um, uh, what is Swerve's real name? I can't remember. I'm sorry. Doesn't matter. But, not the point. But Swerve is a rapper in real life. And in fact, one of his producers is friend of the show and uh, our former co-worker, the homie Rich Aladdin from uh, Social Suplex. Shout out, to the, shout out to the homie Rich. Um, well, Squirt has kind of taken his real life and added into his gimmick because you'll see him in the studio. Well, we never paid attention that the people in the studio with him were Ashanti, the Adonis, who is the swaggiest human I've ever seen in my life. That motherfucker got so much swag. Brianna Brandy, aka B-Fab, and um, former NFL player uh, of A of A and E fame from WWE, WWE's Most Wanted Treasures, and a rapper in his own right, AJ Francis, aka Top Dollar. Well, they made their 
they made their presence known uh, in the Leon Ruff match, and now they are the newest group, and they are it's hit row records because all of them rap, all of them are talented, and they have so much attitude. And I hate to you keep using the word, but swag. What's so dope about them is, from a black perspective, this is an unapologetically correctly booked black stable. You know how many times they get black stables and black ideologies and black um, characters correct? This is spot on. And I don't think there is any producing. I think they just say go out there and go be all. They're killing it. Swerve Scott should get a fucking NXT championship run on the run he's in on now. So I'm so happy for my guy. I love Swerve. We're a big fan of Swerve in this house. A big fan of Swerve on the show. Hit Rose killing it. Um, Ashanti and Top Dollar had their first tag team match this week, and they destroyed Tony Nese and Arya Davari. Be fab, I'm sure we'll get in the ring eventually, but she don't even got to get in the ring yet. She got all the time to kind of... She's fine, too. She's very fine. She's multi-talented and legit. Of all the people on there, she's the most... She is the most accomplished rapper because she has toured with like Juicy J and like major performers. Damn, I see you, girl. Yeah, so they killing it. Hit Rose killing it right now, and it's good to see. I, I feel like there may be a few between them and the upcoming Diamond Mine coming up. If the Diamond Mine are faces, I don't know. But Hit Rose is waiting for somebody to feud with, and I'm just I'm just waiting to see what it is. It may be Bronson Reed. Shout out to Bronson Reed, by the way, new North American champion. But they are the hottest thing on that entire fucking brand right now, and I'm here for it. Nice. Hit row, hit row. If you don't know, now you know. Um, moving on, the other thing he had is, what is the end game or payoff for the Cameron Grimes versus Ted DiBiase feud? Because they obviously aren't going to wrestle. No, no. <laughs> Ted Sr. is not going to put a hold on ever again in his life. Maybe a million dollar dream just to pop the crowd, but he's done. He's not taking a bump for nobody. No, but it, I mean, he could he could do the old gimmick. Everyone's got a price. He could find somebody to pay to take on young Mr. Grimes. Well, then the question is, who would he, who would he find? And so my thought process is one of two things. Either one, He's going to bring back Ted Jr. <laughs> Ted Jr. was always a good wrestler. He just had no character. No, put him with his daddy. That. He's set. Not that. It's not that. Is Ted even is Ted Jr. even still wrestling? Number one. No, he number retired two, a long time ago. Is Ted even in shape to wrestle? I don't. That's a, that's a, that's a better question because Teddy retired a minute ago. But he might, maybe not. My second, the second option, the or option is Cameron gets passed down. The new Cameron earns his his. He's his the new million trust. dollar champion. Yes, he he earns that trust and gets bestowed upon that um, kind of moniker, if you will, which is probably the more probably the option that's more plausible. But I I'd, I'd really like to go down the list and see who if he were to sponsor somebody, who the fuck would it be? Because it's got to be a baby face, right? I mean, Cameron Grimes is one of the best heels on the brand. Yeah, but I don't know. Something about the million dollar man being a baby face don't feel right. It's he's not a baby face because he's doing baby face things. He's a baby face because he's against Cameron Grimes. 
And when motherfuckers go to the moon, apparently that makes them heels. Shout out to Elon Musk. Um, Something about a million dollar man baby face just feels real. I'm with you, dog. He's not. That's not a baby face <laughs> thing. But Cameron Cameron Grimes is murdering this role. Oh, Cameron Grimes is great. Like I, that's that's not my reaction has nothing to do with Cameron Grimes and everything to do with just like. Ted DiBiase as a face? Well, we we know you're anti-capitalist, so that don't do shit for you. <laughs> we get it. I, I well, get it. Yeah, but no, but but I mean, even beyond that, Ted DiBiase had a tag team with a man whose last name was Shyster. So that bothers you more than the black slave he had? <laughs> it doesn't bother me more than the black slave he had. <laughs> struck me as it struck me as an obvious example of a steel but then again, so does having a slave. <laughs> Admittedly, admittedly, it's harder to feel bad for Virgil because he's Virgil. I'm well, facts. <laughs> uh, this facts. Um, last one. This is again from uh, the homie Clive. Something else he was going to talk about. The NXT is very quietly now having a stacked tag division. And shout out to Champa and Thatcher versus Legato. Fantastic match. Um, I know you're not watching very much, but are you kind of paying attention to with the, their tag division recently? I mean, I know that they've got the Rascals now. Yes. Um, and haven't the Imperium people been on regular NXT more? Or yeah, I... they, moved to, they moved to America. Walter agreed to that? Walter didn't move to America. Bartell and Eichner <laughs> moved to America. They, Walter ain't moving for shit. <laughs> I was going to say, Walter agreed to that? Because, like, Walter There's... was... Uh, Walter's whole thing the entire time has been a that don't work for me, brother. Ain't enough euros in the world right now for that boy to move over here right now. Five years down the line, maybe, but right now, no. He is very content living in Austria. Shit. Um, Shit. Walter will wait until he's a year from retirement. He still won't move to America, but he'll call Vince up and be like, yo, dog, you gonna give me this mania match or what? <laughs> I'm saying. He'll get oh, an apartment that he... But you go get this mania match because, like, I'll come and give you some dates. Hey, give that man the Brock Lesnar deal, bro. He's worth it. Um, so of course, you have MSK, formerly known as the Rascals, as your world champions. Um, you have Legato del Fantasma, which is Raul Mendoza, and formerly known as DJZ, Joaquin Wilde, who are your number one contenders. Of course, you got the best tag team in NXT, top to bottom. The grizzled young vets still lurking. Toothless Timmy and, and Tommaso Ciampa are out. They have fully become a team. Um, they're killing it right now. Um, don't freak. Then you have, of course, you got mainstays like Brizongo still around. You have, um, you got the new hit role that's popped up. You have so much talent. And so many tag teams, and not people that are just put together for the good of being put together. They're like really our teams now, 
and they all are fantastic inside the ring. Um, you know, um, every now and then the Lucha Booties still go down there and they do work. It's a lot of good stuff going on. I'm trying to think if anybody, other team I'm missing. Um, but I, it's a, it's a, it's a very good um, observation to shout out the fact that right now the tag division is fantastic. I'm trying to go through and see if anybody else I'm missing. Um, you know, I'm always here for tag team wrestling. So Drake and Killian Dane. Oh yeah, I did see that they were teaming. Yeah, Drake, but, Killian Dane, are killing it. Um, Bud is just so fun. He's just fun. the 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 probably the most underrated team on the brand ever. Rise. There's a lot of you don't know who they are. Look them up. They're fantastic. If nothing else, they're hilarious. So they are interesting. That's that's the number one precursor. The original governor, where Danny Birch, he coming back. Him and Oni still around. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, just oozing with tag teams. And for a company that supposedly hates tag teams, it's good to see that. Well, I mean, you know, we say it all the time. Their tag team division goes through waves and spurts. There are waves where there's lots of depth and lots of good tag teams. And then all of a sudden it feels like all at once they all either get hurt or are broken up all at the same time. Yeah, it's either or, right? There's no middle ground, it seems like. Um, yeah, it's like they'll go for a couple of years and they'll have like six, ta- six, seven, eight tag teams deep. I mean, think about for a while there, just in NXT, the tag team division consisted of um, American Alpha, Revival, mm-hmm. Gargano and Ciampa, mm-hmm. the Vaude Villains, AOP. Enzo and Cass, AOP. Uh, AOP. Um, they they were all in NXT at the same time. Blake and Murphy. Blake and oh yeah, Blake and Murphy were there at that time. Um, the Luchas were still there because it was Sin Cara and Kalisto. But but even some like that's just seven teams off Rip that were like big legit. teams and yep. legit teams. And then it felt like as they all got called up, the following things happened. AOP got called up, and... Um, Every tendon in their body proceeded to fall off. Well, and Paul didn't go with them. Well, yeah, that was the first That was the first strike, yeah. So that happened. Love um, so were trash that, in general. Yeah, well, yeah, and so Gotch got released. Aiden found lightning in a bottle, and the company didn't capitalize on it. Yep. Um, the, Lake and Murphy were broken up before they got called up. Yep, Enzo and Cass became Enzo and Cass. We know what happened with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Johnny and Johnny and Tommaso ain't never got called up. They nope. did for a minute until Tommaso broke his neck, and then they're like, "Nope, I'm going Johnny, back." Uh, no, they did for a minute, and then Johnny read the fucking room and was just like, "I'll stay here with Daddy Paul." Yep. Nah, Dad, keep the training wheels on just a little while longer. <laughs> Can my girlfriend come? Yeah, no, it's, it's it's fair point. It's a very fair point. So let's let's end let's end the, the show with this. On June second, I believe was the day, the WWE has a a um, special documentary or a special on the network or Peacock, whatever you want to call it. The top fifty tag teams of WWE history. Unbiasedly, 
because I know your bias is going to breed you to say the Hardys. Unbiasedly, in WWE history, who do you think is the best tag team ever? Actually, my bias wouldn't have said the Hardys. I love the Hardys. They're my favorite tag yeah. team. Um, I wouldn't have called them the best tag team. My best tag team, is, for me, the best tag team of all time is the Dudleys. That's my bias. Um, but my bias is marked by the fact that I was not a fan during the rise of the LOD. So, like, okay. it doesn't okay. hit for me the same way Fair. that it hits Fair. for other people. Like, other people hear that, oh, what a rush. And, they're, and it just, like, gets their shit going. Yeah. I hear that, and I'm just like, oh, the steroid guys are here. Cool. cool. <laughs> they got the spiky shoulder pads. They're cool as fuck. Don't get me wrong. They're cool. But, like, I, it was before my time. I was too yeah. young. It, it, it didn't hit for me the same way. Um, so you think LP is number one? I think L, I, I think. LOD. I think Sorry. LOD will probably be number one. My number one is the Dudleys. So I agree with you. I think the best tag team in wrestling history from a success standpoint is the Dudleys, and I don't think it's close. However, I think WWE will name the New Day as the number one tag team of all time. You know, I think the thing with New Day that is hard to contextualize... They're a trio. Not, it's not that they're a trio, it's that they're still active. It's okay. so hard to contextualize people within the realm of historic standing when they're still active and they're still doing it. That's very fair. The only reason I think that they'll sneak into that first spot, I don't mean sneak disrespectfully, but be, I mean sneak because of what you just said. It's hard to contextualize and to place active participants. But it's because they got all the records. So, I, and, you know, yeah, on top from, of a that, from a kayfabe standpoint. Yeah. On, to, on top of that, um, with, with respect to the TLC teams and LOD, LOD maybe, and mind you, let's, let's keep it a buck. Their titles are really inflated because, like, that, not so much LOD, but in terms of the TLC teams, those title numbers are really inflated because they were champs in an era when, like, title yeah. reigns lasted a night, two nights, yep. three nights. Exactly. And let's keep it a buck about LOD. The Road Warriors and LOD are different teams. So LOD and WWE is not the same as who they were in WCW and all around the world. Now, but the reason I bring all those four teams up is because with respect to them, given the situations... Because the Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, are really the only true worldwide main event tag team. And I, I don't mean disrespect to the Freebirds or the Von Erics, but they were regional. I'm talking worldwide. The really only yeah. one was They're the, New Japan. The, like the Road Warriors are New Japan legends. They're WCW yes. legends. They're WWE legends. They're... But the reason I think the New Day might get to that spot is because unless you count the Shield. The New Day is the only team in recent memory or in this era of the wrestling that has made a tag team or a trios tag team to be a top level main event stable or main event group. They were main eventing shows as tag teams, and that doesn't happen. They got themselves so over as a tag team that Kofi became the WWE champion. There you go. So I think that I think they end up being number one. 
Legion of Doom will probably be two. The Dudleys will hopefully be three because I think they're still number one. Um, but it's, I'll be curious to see what the list is, and we will definitely talk about that shit because I am so interested in that. Um, I'm more interested in that than I am in a lot of the biographies because, like, eh, there's been my reaction to a lot of it. That's fair. I I think like I love seeing learning about shit and. I, a lot of people don't like. I so I think I think that's been the like that's been the issue for me. Like especially the Austin one. I've read Austin's biography. I mm-hmm. and so like watching that, I was just like, nothing in here is new information I didn't already know. That was shit that was new to me. You, I didn't know that his that his kids moved to England with his wife. I didn't know that. I didn't know that he called his wife. He called to check on her, and all of a sudden, like she um, used to talk like him, and then all of a sudden, she's speaking in an English accent, like little nuances like that. Now, granted, it's two hours, and that was five minutes, but the Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, is my favorite wrestler of all time, and I learned so much. I did so many things on that shit I didn't know about Shawn. So, but that's me. I, it's not for everybody, um, but I appreciate that they're giving us so many different things to en- to engage in. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm always here for extra content. I'm always here. I'm here for content that normalizes wrestling. That is. Um, so, we hit you with a lot of shit tonight. Um, let's put a bow on this. I think we've uh, gave you some good stuff uh, to kind of fill your wrestling palette, if you will. Um I'm going to go ahead and say that you can find your boy at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y and Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. And you can find Carl, who will be back someday, maybe. Eventually. He's coming possibly, back. At Outside of Curving. And I'm going to hand the baton off to my coder. Oh, wait. We didn't talk about Will Ospreay. Oh, shit. That's right. Will Ospreay broke his neck and had to vacate the IWGP heavyweight title. And... Uh, now it's real uncertain what they're going to do with that shit. Okay. Finish, finish the show off. G1. Who would you give the belt to? I would have the G1 determine the new champion. Ooh, instead of determining instead of determining who will challenge for the title at Wrestle Kingdom this year, have the G1 winner become the new champion, and as the winner of the G1, who is champion, get to name his opponent. That's sexy as fuck. But when is the G1? G1's normally in the summer. That's sexy as fuck. Come on, come on, Kyle. That's what I would do. Okay, but who? But if you if you booked it, then who would you Shango. book as a champion? Jason Antonio White. Give me my switchblade. But no, Shingo probably should. Shingo would be the guy. I'd give but, it to Shingo, and then he can choose to face the switchblade. Can you imagine a switchblade versus Shingo match, though? I mean, I can imagine it because it'd be so good. I'll give me that good stuff. Yeah. Um. Hey, and hey, fuck Will Ospreay as a human being, but like, I don't wish negative. I don't ever. Things. Yeah, exactly. You're like, yeah. Will Ospreay. So get well soon, big dog. Get well soon, big dog. Um, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's all you, man. Okay, so um, sorry about that, y'all. Um, again, get well soon to Will Ospreay. You can find me on Twitter at Doctor S'mores. You can find the show on Twitter. At Outsiders Edge CS. As yes, always, we are part of the Chairshot Media Network at Chairshot Media, where you always use that head you got. 
And as always, y'all remember, we here at the Outsider's Edge are some increasingly less young gentlemen doing everything that we can to make it out here in this world. And sometimes we're going to hit you with some shit that, you know, you might not want to hear, but you need to hear. Like, it takes longer to fire people than, like, immediately if you're publicly traded and open to lawsuits. Give it time. Uh, and other times, we're going to hit you with that shit that, like, you maybe didn't know about, but you needed to hear. Like, there's trouble in paradise, because Garrett Reynolds is a douchebag. I'm still blown away by that. I cannot believe it. But no wow. matter what, y'all, we're just out here chasing our dreams, and got to respect that. Because if you don't, well... We just don't give a fuck. But who would have thought? Hmm. Well, fuck them anyway. But I'm blown away. I mean, they'll figure it out. They'll get back together, I'm sure. But if not, whatever. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc